Welcome to episode 73 of the GT on 5G. It's the latest inside scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 15 minutes and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Will Townsend and joining me again this week is fellow analyst Anshul Sag with the Halloween theme. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners and viewers uh, what's going on there? <laughs> uh, I, uh, I'm wearing a green shirt, uh, which also happens to be the same color as my green screen behind me. So I am a floating head. So that's our Halloween treat for all of our <laughs> viewers of the podcast. So, well, let's get started. So Mobile World Congress LA occurred this week. Um, Anshul and I are in agreement that the news was pretty light, but we do have some things to report. Uh, my first topic is related to Mobile World Congress LA. Um, if you don't know, um, Movandi is a company started in 2016 by former Broadcom executives, and they are focused on solving the challenges with respect to millimeter wave deployment. So at the, uh, the show this week, there were a handful of announcements that I really believe position them well for future uh, network deployment uh, wins with operators. Um, um, they uh, developed their own custom silicon and so one of the announcements was around supporting additional bands within the millimeter wave spectrum. And uh, that should give them um, a nice um, opportunity to go after the global footprint. As we all know, depending on uh, the geography, there are different bands that millimeter wave operates within. They also are focused on um, antenna modules. And so they, uh, they announced a new um, phase array antenna module uh, that should support um, applications and deployments as well. And um, they also have a family of repeaters called BeamXR. And there are a number of enhancements to the repeaters, including solar power, which I think is gonna be very advantageous for areas that are underserved by electrical you know, uh, access. Um, I think about rural, I think that, that could be one application, but the company claims that they are offering 10 times the performance at one-tenth of the cost of competing solutions. And so if they can actually deliver on that promise, they're gonna be very well positioned, but I would love to get your take on Sean. Yeah, I was pre-briefed about this uh, for MWCLA and I actually thought that the, uh, wire, the, the solar powered solution, mm -hmm. uh, from my recollection, it actually transmit, transmits at a lower power as well, mm -hmm. um, because I think there's a limited amount of power you can draw from solar. Or at least amount of current, um, and the way I see that solution is actually a way for them to deploy anywhere, everywhere. Rural is not actually a big application. I think for me, I think it's more likely to be an application for people. Uh, it's like I'm trying to think of a best way to describe it, but it, it's basically. So you don't have to build power infrastructure because, you know, these devices, the BMXRs, they actually use their millimeter wave for backhaul as well. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're providing coverage and they're using backhaul. So there's no data connection. So if you can drop the power connection as well, then you can basically deploy these anywhere you need to. And I think that's really the power of this, this solar powered solution. Admittedly, it doesn't have as much range or as yeah. much throughput, but I do think it will actually help bring millimeter wave and potentially fix wireless solutions to more users than would have been otherwise possible. And I think that's really the big application here. 
And that's what I think is the big announcement for them. Um, and they were showing the total cost of deploying um, these solar solutions against, uh, you know, a competitor solution and against their own solution that's powered. And it was a much lower cost to deploy. So I think there's a, a few factors here that they are definitely marching towards. And all the numbers that I've seen from their trials, because I think they, they had a Cupertino trial rel relatively recently, which was very promising, I think we reported on. Um, I, I just think that there's a lot of really good momentum behind Movandi right now. And you know they're partnered with Verizon and they're able to talk a lot about that. Um, and it sounds like they're partnering in, in, in other geographies, including Australia and Japan, which are the other two very big millimeter wave um, geographies right now. Yeah, you make a good point. So, you know, on, you know, kind of, you know, easing the permitting process by not having necessarily to, to set up, you know, utility connections and that sort of thing for electricity, I think that's advantageous. When I was thinking about urban or rural, my thought process was around like, you know, possibly fixed wireless access because their solutions do support both mobility and FWA. Um, and they, were, they actually did a demonstration at Mobile World Congress uh, that, that sort of highlighted, um, you know, those applications. So great insights there, my friend. But let's move to your first topic this week. And you want to talk about Samsung Networks and some announcements around some massive MIMO antennas. Yeah, so also another infrastructure announcement uh, at MWCLA. This was uh, from Samsung. They announced two different radios. The first one is a massive MIMO radio for mid-band that also simultaneously supports CBRS, which is, according to Samsung, the first in the world to do both in one unit. Um, and I think that's a really great thing when you look at how many, um, you know, governmental and, and, and other um, businesses are deploying CBRS. Um, so I think CBRS is going to probably be table stakes for a lot of infrastructure moving forward. Um, and being able to support both in the same equipment is great. Granted, 3.5 uh, 3 to 3.7 actually butts up right against C-band. Um, so it's not as outrageous, but the ability to, to offer both in the same equipment is a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and then the other announcement was a um, another dual band massive MIMO but this one was for AWS and PCS bands. Mm -hmm. So um, it looks like Samsung is trying to uh, simplify its uh, infrastructure offerings in a way to um, make it easier to deploy new bands yeah. and to do it with less equipment. Yeah, no, it sounds compelling. Um, I misspoke, so radios, not antennas, but uh, don't forget CBRS um, will be also deployed, you know, for private wireless um, networks. And, um, and so, yeah, so I, I agree with you. They're providing, you know, flexibility and, and the same core factor. I think that's, that's pretty strong stuff. But let's move to my second topic this week. Uh, this also came out of Mobile World Congress Los Angeles. IBM was on stage with uh, Boston Dynamics speaking to industrial applications and how 5G can disrupt those. Um, if you haven't been following Boston Dynamics, um, they're the creators of that very interesting robot that looks like a, a mechanical dog, Spot. Right? Robot. Yeah, and so uh, they were speaking to just sort of the applications for using, um, you know, robotics, you know, to monitor industrial applications and that sort of thing. This is no surprise to me. I think I've spoken on prior podcasts that I believe when you look at the opportunity for 5G within the enterprise, 
I think over half of the applications will be around um, factory automation and industrial automation and that sort of thing. So what are your thoughts? I think there's also a, um, there's also a angle where surveillance and, um, you know, security are big factors as well. Um, I think we're seeing some of those robots already being deployed in some malls and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but being able to have um, something that can be around 24-7, um, because the reality is security guards are nice, but they can't be everywhere all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and having automated security cameras that are able to see everywhere all the time, um, it's very valuable. Um, I also think with COVID, there's the whole um, hospitality angle, right? Like, mm -hmm. why do you need to have um, someone from the front desk bring you a towel when they can just put it in a robot and the robot delivers it to you? Right. Um, COVID definitely accelerated that trend, but uh, there's so many applications for robotics. That's one of the reasons why I got into robotics when I was really young and got very interested in robotics and learned how to program them. And um, that was something that I had a passion for when I was young. And I still am very interested in it. I just don't like coding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Um, they started a pilot in Austin, Texas, where they're using these, these little robots and they're actually delivering pizzas. And I actually, uh, for F1, I had a, a family member in from out of town. We went down to South Congress. We actually saw one in action. Um, you know, definitely it's not 5G. It's likely, it's likely LTE right now, but yeah, I mean, when you think about just even outside of industrial, I mean, robotics, you know, are going to really, in my mind, change our lives. And, you know, with 5G and its superpowers with low latency and, uh, you know, and that lightning fast throughput, it's going to enable some of these robotic applications. So, yeah, and the whole notion of a robotic watchdog, you know, is quite compelling, especially in an industrial, you know, type environment. But let's move to your second topic this week. You want to talk about the recent 3.45 gigahertz auction in where the bell has been rung at this point. Yes, so our last time we spoke, the auction was at $14 billion and it had passed its reserve price, which already means the, the spectrum is, is gonna be available. Uh, it just won't um, you know, sell for a certain price. Uh, now we have passed, after 50 rounds, they passed 18 billion. Um, and now at round 68, we're at 21 billion. So um, this auction 110, which is for 3.45 gigahertz, um, is going to probably end up being a considerable amount of money for all the bidders now that we're at $21 billion. Um, and it seems to have slowed in terms of growth. Um, so it looks like we will probably see the auction end fairly soon, um, but it really comes down to the bidders and how much they're willing to bid for uh, certain blocks in certain areas. So uh, we're gonna continue to monitor this auction, but no bidder can get more than 40 megahertz. So I think that will probably limit um, the size of this auction and how much people are willing to bid for it. But it's also possible that because there's a limited amount of spectrum, there might be more people competing for uh, you know, less spectrum available. So we'll see what happens. But um, the way I look at it is it's net positive. Hopefully, you know, the, the cost doesn't go much further than this. 
um, because then we, we might start ending up in C-band territory again, um, which was a considerable amount for all the carriers. Um, but I don't see this auction ever going as high as C-band did, but nevertheless, it is a lower band um, and it will probably harmonize better um, with, with global frequencies. Um, but I, you know, at this point, we're just gonna wait and see and see what, who, who, get, who gets what, because we don't know until this auction's over. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, right? You mentioned this on a prior podcast that it's blind. And so I think that's introduced um, sort of what I would call a governor um, element into the mix um, so that, you know, you don't have competing operators, right? You know, kind of having, you know, knowing that they're in the game and knowing their, you know, what their, wh where their positions are right now, because in the past, you know, that's all been said and done. It's public knowledge, but It'll be interesting. I agree with you. Uh, it should not spiral out of control like we saw with C-band, but it will be interesting to see who the big winners are. And we'll certainly save that for a future podcast. But let me move to my third and final topic this week. I want to talk about Nokia. They uh, announced Q3 earnings. And the big question is, have they turned the big 5G ship around? You know, and I was actually quite impressed. So, you know, given supply chain constraints and that sort of thing, they still grew their core network infrastructure business 6% year over year. And now uh, from an operating margin perspective, um, you know, they've, they've increased it by about three points year over year as well. So their new CEO um, with his new strategy, I believe um, they're, they're, they're creating some accretive um, opportunities within their business. They continue to grow their, their enterprise business, their private networking business from my perspective amongst their traditional um, incumbent competitors. They are, they are definitely a leader there. Um, Samsung is investing, um, you know, in some areas, you know, as well. But, uh, and certainly OpenRAN, you know, proof of concept trials continue. And, um, you know, there are greenfield opportunities that we've discussed in, you know, in the past um, that, should, that should provide Nokia some headwind there. But, Overall, I thought it was pretty solid performance just given all the supply chain constraints. So any, any additional insights there? Um, you know, I think this is a net positive for Nokia. I feel like it should have come sooner, mm -hmm. but um, you know, 5G is still gonna be a long haul for them. My concern is uh, what will happen to them when you know, all the networks have been built out, or at least mm -hmm. the commercial ones. Um, I think they still have a big opportunity on enterprise um, with CBRS and things like that sure. um, and other private networks. But I, I just feel like um, I would have expected Nokia to necessary to be in a better position than they are today. Um, but that might be because of the, you know, the chipset shortages, right? So sure. um, uh, net positive, I think, considering all the, you know, changes of leadership and strategy and structure we've seen from Nokia in the last few years, right as 5G started to kick off. So um, net, 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 I think Nokia is doing well, um, but I definitely would love to see them do better considering how all their other uh, competitors are doing today. Yeah, no, great insights, my friend. Well, let's move to your third and final topic. And I'm glad you're speaking to this one because I tweeted this one out earlier in the week, but you want to talk about AT&T and Ford and a yes. partnership. I also tweeted it out this week. Oh, okay. um, did not, yeah, because <laughs> I got that. I got that email from our friends at AT and T, and I was like, "This is cool." Right. Um, so the Dearborn factory in 
Michigan State for Ford um, is now being converted or will be converted uh, to have a private 5G cellular network with MEC from AT&T. And this factory is going to be where they build their electric vehicles, which are currently the Ford Mach-E and the uh, Ford F-150 Lightning, which I personally am a huge fan of. Um, And yeah, it's kind of uh, the angle that that, uh, Ford is taking is that they are adopting 5G aggressively. And that includes both having 5G in the factory to build the the cars, but as well as enabling 5G to update the cars remotely. So um, we will see... Uh, how this changes the way Ford builds their factories. Um, But I think we all know that there are some benefits to having a private 5G network, especially if it's a low latency, ultra reliable, um, low latency uh, connection, because Mm -hmm. then they don't have to worry about running data cables to the different robots. Um, But we'll see how they deploy it. Um, There haven't really been um, much specific uh, in terms of, what they're going to do uh, with that 5G capability in the in the factory, um, but they said that it, it it's a clean slate design, which means that they are building with 5G in mind, mm-hmm. uh, which I would expect will probably change the way they lay things out, um, and they'll also you know have con- that connectivity connectivity available to uh, devices that are in in the factory as well. So people walk around with phones and tablets that are connected to, you know, monitor the lines and things like that um, Mm -hmm. will also be, you know, basically running in real time. Um, And yeah, it's, it's AT&T specifically said that the lower latency will, will help with automated robotics machinery. Um, But it's interesting because Ford didn't really say that. So we'll see what Ford does with it. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a, a, a great thing. And, you know, it's a, a one American company helping another one bring the EV revolution to the United States, uh, which, you know, I would say Tesla has really helped kick off. But I think we need to see more EV adoption, especially with EVs and 5G. Absolutely. You know, what I think about, you know, with respect to replacing, you know, all those cables in a factory is just the ability to be able to, to reconfigure a line of production within you know, days and weeks versus weeks and months. And so beyond you know, the robotic you know, tactical you know, control that 5G will deliver, it's just eliminating those, those cables so that you, know, you can reconfigure manufacturing um, setups and tooling much more quickly. So, and I believe what's gonna happen you know, with the supply chain um, issues that we're experiencing, one of my predictions is a lot of the manufacturing that has been offshore over the years, a lot of that is going to start coming back to the U.S. And, and then factories are going to have to get smart about updating, you know, the manufacturing process. I think that's going to create a, a ton of new jobs for, for newly minted engineers like my daughter, who's a, a junior at Texas Tech University. And so I think people talk about the industrial revolution, the Ford Auto this could be like a 5.0 with 5G. And I, I, it's, it's really exciting to think about what may happen over the next couple of years as companies like Ford really embrace the full potential of 5G. But 
Hey, Angela, another great podcast, special Halloween podcast this week featuring your disembodied floating head. But why don't you take us home? Absolutely. We hope our viewers and listeners found this week's topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to provide insight on a specific 5G topic for a future podcast, please reach out to us on social media. Will is at Whaletown Tech and I'm at Anshal Sog. We hope you guys have a great weekend and please tune in again next week.